Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and all things modern culture. I'm your host, Mindy Chang. So happy to have you here. Um, so glad that you're joining me for this episode. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a marvelous day or night, wherever you are. And yeah, thanks for tuning in. This week's episode is with one of my favorite people on the planet. She is an extremely talented actor and singer-songwriter. She goes by the name of Megan Lee. And Megan and I met several years ago. I've had the great fortune of watching her unfold in this amazing career that she's been building for herself, but the process of that, getting to know her as a person. And um, beyond the talent and beyond just being beautiful and adorable and charming and all the things, Megan is truly one of the deepest and strongest and most inspiring people that I've met. Um, She has been somebody who had a dream and had a vision for her life and had a purpose from a very young age, and she's been very gutsy and courageous and very purposeful in moving forward in pursuing that from a young, young age. And in that experience and in that journey, she's gone through a lot. And there's always a depth about Megan that I appreciated. And it was in her music. It was, you know, even though she has this really bright, cute appearance, which is very, very authentic. She also has, again, this this heart and soul that I truly just love being around and I greatly admire. And uh, for all her fans, I think you guys have really great taste because Megan's wonderful. (laughs) And if you don't know Megan, I hope this conversation kind of further shows what a wonderful person she is. And uh, I, I really respect the level of insight and vulnerability that she has in her art and in this conversation with me. So in this episode, we sit down to talk about resiliency to talk about hard times that we've been through. Now, I know that there's been a lot of different approaches on, first of all, about hard times and anxiety and, um, you know, actualizing goals and whatnot, but it's kind of just a different perspective on how obstacles and challenges are very difficult and that we get told to be strong and that we tell ourselves to be strong, but also kind of reframing, adding another word to the vocabulary of becoming a resilient person and acknowledging our own resilience, that we can get knocked down, go through really, really hard things that, you know, maybe initially you don't think you can get through, but somehow find a way to get through that and take note of that and appreciate that because that becomes something that empowers us to keep going and to tackle the next problem whenever that may arise. Um, we're all capable of those things. We're we're always so much more capable and stronger and compassionate and strategic and crafty and all the things way more than we might give ourselves credit for. So Megan's somebody that's lived quite a life and she, you know, has this very unique career as being an artist, but also she's the same as you or me. She's a girl, a young woman in pursuit of something great that she loves and has dealt with her dealt with her 
challenges with her <laughs> obstacles. So yeah, I'm really I'm really honored that she took the time to sit with me. I was so happy to have this time to catch up with her, and I hope that you enjoy this episode and take away something positive. Not just something positive, but something constructive, something healing and um, uplifting. We are all going through something, but we got your back. We can have um, our friends around us and people that love us, even if I don't know you personally, and even if Megan doesn't know you personally, we love you and we want the best for you. We really mean that. And yeah, I hope that you feel that from this episode. So uh, yeah, I don't know if I do my plug at the end, but if you would like to follow me at Minjeezy on Instagram or at first of all pod. And if you have questions, if you want to say anything, give a shout out, um, always, you know, subscribe and leave a review. But for any, any uh, thoughts that you have, please feel free to email me at first of all pod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And yeah, without further ado, here's my episode on becoming and being resilient with Megan Lee. Enjoy. Hi, Megan. Hi, Minji. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Good? Yeah, it's a busy, busy summer, but glad to be here. Busy summer in good ways, right? Yes, good ways. Life transformation ways. Yes, trying my best to not fall apart. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we're in the same boat. Good and good and bad. Good yeah, and bad. Good but, and bad. But trying to see is mostly good. Good. It's good things. Transformation is great, but it's also not easy. Uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> I put it. There's a lot of people that I've been talking to lately. It's like a cocoon stage. Everyone's like figuring out their next chapter. I feel like that's me. I, I feel like for the past... I mean, this whole year I've been going through like an early quarter life crisis kind of thing, mm-hmm. trying to discover who I am and what I'm meant to be, what my ultimate purpose and goal is. <laughs> Good for you. Amen. <laughs> okay. I'm a big Oprah fiend and there's sometimes where I listen to it and I'm like, this is so, this is me being judgy, but I, it's like, this is so woo woo, but then mm-hmm. I love it. So <laughs> I'm really just leaning into it. I was like, yeah, I do think about that. I think of what's our higher purpose. What's my, not even just my goals, but what's my vision yeah. or what's my mm-hmm. calling and things like that. So I love that you think of that. Oh yeah. All the time. I love that. Thanks. So I'm not surprised that you're going through an early quarter life crisis because you're yeah. not even technically as the age of that, but you are very, <laughs> I, I've known you since you're 15 or that's yeah. when you, I don't know if we met men, but that's when you came into my world. Something. Yeah. Something like that. Collaboration show. Yes. Wait, were you 15 or were you? Uh, what was the first, like, what was the first collaboration? It was when you sang Listen. Oh my God. Yeah, I was like 13. Oh my God. Yeah, actually 14, 14-ish. And you had your pigtails and you had your, I remember your furry boots. Dude, yeah, that's the first time I met a lot of people actually within the community. That was a really big year. It was. That was was the Collaboration 10 show. That was the year that Clara C won. Yes. And I felt, it felt like a magical night for me. Yeah. Because I was was like, who are these people? There's a lot. Yeah, because you probably haven't been in L.A. for that long no, at that time. I was yeah. visiting at the time. You were visiting? You wouldn't even move? It was four years before I moved here. Oh, my gosh. So it was it was literally my first collaboration show ever. Wow. Officially. That's life-changing. It was. And here you are. I've heard this from other people, that collaboration shows have changed lives, and that makes me, like, incredibly proud and touched. But yeah. that show, you were participating in the freestyle competition. Yes. Girl, was that your first time like doing something like that, or had you done that multiple times at that point? I think it was my first time doing that. How'd you feel? Were you just like me? I'm, I'm ready. I, I yeah, I was like, 
I don't know what I was going uh, going through in my mind at the time. I just realized that they were doing um, like an audience competition. And I thought, oh, in my heart, I was just thinking like, I, I want to do that, but I'm a little <laughs> bit scared. Uh-huh. And my mom, she always tries to like, she never pushed me for anything. It was always just me kind of pushing her like, take me to an audition. Like I was the one who initiated, wanted to be a performer. Love. But like she knows that I want to do it. But sometimes I do feel a little bit scared. And um, I guess like my mom just kind of like took that out of me and just like, she was like, just go for it. I'll, we'll be here to root for you. I'm like, okay. And so I did. <sighs> and I I just sang my heart out. I was really, really nervous, but people were cheering and all. And I got you, to meet so many amazing people that night. You won, that. right? Um, I don't know. I didn't win. How did you not win? <laughs> I, I think it, the first song I sang, it got me to like the next, there was like yeah. two levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It got me to the next level and then the next level, I didn't know what to sing. Oh. So I just sang like a Justin Bieber song. I like thought of like at the top of my head and then this other girl was singing like a Whitney song. So I think it was like my song choice that it wasn't like impactful i love that you're learning the ropes of like song selection and strategy yes my mom was like why did you sing that justin bieber song like why didn't you sing all these big diva songs like why didn't you sing that my mom was like saying but like yeah that's so (laughs) funny i remember specifically because years after pk would still joke about that because that was such a like groundbreaking moment for everybody watching you were this tiny you said 13 mm-hmm. year old girl with like your pigtail braids you're so like exuberant and excited i remember <laughs> you're like hi and like so sweet and just you <laughs> and then all of a sudden you like listen or like oh my god <laughs> everyone freaked out because it was so such a transformation like in an instant <laughs> and it was beautiful and i was like dang this girl can sing Thank and i'm a big beyonce fan I love so beyonce. I love it. And I love, love, love your mom. I love Aww. that she pushed you, or like she's just encouraging. Like, yeah, super encouraging. Oh. My mom brings the best out of me for sure. I love her. <laughs> and I've gotten to talk with her and get to know her over these last several years. And I, oh, shout out to, shout out to Mama Lee. <laughs> we love you. She's probably listening to this right now. <laughs> yes, please. Um, no, she's fantastic. And, um, it's been such a, wonderful journey i mean it's just i knew you very i didn't meet you then but i saw you as you know the girl with the voice with the beyonce voice and 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 the attitude to match (laughs) which is which is key like having that confidence yeah but then watching you go from like the audience the audience freestyle battle to like pursuing you moved to korea yes and and doing k-pop world and then doing make it pop on nickelodeon and like just it's been so cool so i'm very very proud of you thank you you. i appreciate that so much (laughs) um yeah but i mean here we are 2019 yeah quarter life crisis yeah it's real time flies so fast yes I feel like I'm having a preemptive midlife crisis. <laughs> but everybody goes through their thing, right? Um, and we have a lot of feelings that we need to talk through. Yeah. So it's just, how has that been for you kind of making these leaps and bounds? Because it seems like you had a lot of confidence and just kind of like excitement. Whereas, you know, not most, I can't say most, but like a lot of other people might feel paralyzed or like so yes. like jaded jaded or like just maybe even too scared to start because they're like thinking like myself like yes. so many what ifs yes, but you yes. just kind of went yes how's that like i just want to know how that's been i mean can you encapsulate the last 10 years of your yeah life? i mean 15? i i just i guess in a way if you say it in um 
um, to put it simply, I just didn't think about it. Yeah. Like it, it, sometimes it sounds, helps. yeah, it sounds really simple and, um, and even a bit hard to do for some people. But when I was young, I was just blissfully ignorant. Mm-hmm. And that's something I really miss about myself because I feel like I'm not as much of that anymore now. Mm-hmm. I feel like that comes with age and like experiences and, uh, as you know, I've been through many different kinds of experiences in my life within the past seven, eight, nine years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, first starting out, like I told my mom, I think I was like six years old. I told her I wanted to be an actor Aww. because, like, I realized that it could be a job because <laughs> I was love. I I loved watching Disney movies. Okay, you're a Disney girl. Yeah, I'm a Disney girl. That's what made me fall in love with like entertainment in the first place. The singing and like the acting and like wow like people can make a living off of this this is a job for people they do this every day i want to do that yeah and uh my mom not knowing anything about entertainment whatsoever she's like don't be silly just stay in school (laughs) (laughs) as any sensible parent would tell you exactly yeah but uh one day when i was like nine years old i told her again i think at my after school that my parents would drop me off at while they were busy at work um I would take more school, like cram school kind of stuff, like an after school academy and like do my homework with like these tutors and stuff. Wow. Um, a, a friend that went to that same like tutoring after school, she was like going out for auditions and doing like print ads and like commercials and stuff like that. She was telling me about it. I'm like, wait, she's doing it. Like, why can't I? And so I brought it up to my mom again. Like, mom, like my friend, she's like going to auditions. Like, how can we do that? (laughs) She's like, how can I stop you from hanging out with this friend? (laughs) And she's like, well, I don't know. And so, um, she kind of brushed it off. But like one day me and my mom, like one weekend morning, we were watching the Oprah Winfrey show Hey, Oprah. Hey, Oprah. Mm-hmm. I felt like I felt like my whole life and perspective changed about entertainment um, because it, it's like a really simple, like usual episode. She was just like talking about some kind of book on women's health. Uh-huh. I think something like that I va- vaguely remember. And the whole audience um, seemed like very intrigued and I was intrigued by it. And it just made me have an epiphany that like, wow, media can change people's lives and perspective and you could learn a lot. Uh-huh. And I realized like, oh, like if I, I could impact people's lives in a positive way too. I don't know how yet exactly, but I want to by doing what I love and at the same time impacting people. And so I told my mom that like, you could like change people's lives with like, really good music or like uh-huh. be in a movie that could make people feel happy. Yeah. And, um, my mom was like, you're nine years old. <laughs> like what? Excuse me? <laughs> like it, to me, it felt so simple. Yeah. You know? And so I think one day I was like 10 years old and me and my mom were just like submitting my school photo to like, like talent agencies we found on Google. Wow. And so, <laughs> which is probably sketchy, but it actually ended up working out. I mean, that's um, really what it took sometimes, you know. You just Google. Yeah, yeah, just Google it. The power of the internet. Yeah. I was born and raised in LA, so it happened to be very convenient. Yeah. I was in the right place for it. Yeah. So I heard back from some of these talent agencies and I started going out for commercials and At nine stuff. years old? At 10. At 10, got yeah. it. Yeah, and then At since a grown then, age of 10. Yeah. Yeah. 10 years old, I uh, built my resume and 
Here I am. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Again, it's really funny. I find a lot of, I'm fascinated by people's origin stories because there's so many different little stepping stones that take you to where you are and who was like your catalyst or who was your agent? Because I had completely forgotten that my own mother Cause she's the one who put me in plays when I was little. Oh, so you know, like again, as a kid, you're very oblivious to like the ways of the world or what's available to you. You yeah. just exist, right? Mm-hmm. And then like she was the one who put me in in this in the church musical that I like fell in love with. And so mom didn't know what she planted, you know, a <laughs> seed. And I kept doing that. And again, it takes a lot of um, just on the parent side because a lot of my friends are parents and becoming parents, and it's really interesting to become responsible for the outcome of someone else's existence which is like terrifying but it's also really beautiful because you can do these little things that seem little but make such a huge mark on like who they become Mm -hmm. and how you can see somebody's talent or what like lights them up and you're like oh i'm gonna let's keep doing that and there's so many reasons why something can can like be further invested in whether you're like financially able or you know you have the freedom to like drive your kid to auditions or whatever But it's really, really beautiful that your mom saw that. And I love to credit my mom, too, because, you know, if she hadn't really invested in that, you know, and who knows what my dad, I don't even know what my dad thought. I'm like, I need to go interview my dad and be like, what were your (laughs) thoughts this whole time? Because she would drive me everywhere. You know, she would just be like, yeah, we're going. And I'm like, I don't want to practice. I want to watch TV. She's like, nope, you're going to rehearsal for this musical. And like. Went to, you know, she went all up and down California when I did this Korean Cinderella musical. Uh We went to Korea together. Wow. Like, she really went far. And then in high school, I did the, I think it was a scam situation. Oh. Do you remember John Robert Powers? But there was, like, an agency that were, like, seeking talent. But they were, like, again, I think they were a legit agency. But the way they did it was, like, super scammy. I heard. I heard about it, yeah. They made you pay or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Never go to agencies that make you pay. Yeah. Word to the wise, okay? Don't do it. But I went in the Bay and, like, Uh my mom took me to that, too. And I was like, I had forgotten about all of that until recently. A lot of stuff. Did your mom pay for it and everything? She didn't pay because we just went. They did, like, a very wide net, like, hey, come, come, like, audition for us. And I think once you get past, like, a callback or something, then they, like, hey, we can, like, represent you. But in order to do that, you have to pay. I never got that far because I got a callback and then I was too scared to go. Oh, man. So this is what happens. You get scared and you're like, oh, my gosh. Because I really wanted to do it even in high school. Uh But I was like, this is scary. Mm-hmm. So I ran away. Aww. I ran back into there. But there were like little little glimmers of like, hey, you learned a commercial in like 10 minutes mm-hmm. and performed it for a camera. It was probably terrible, but I, I liked it. You did it. Yeah. So again, shout out to the moms and then the credit to my, my brother who helped me get back <laughs> into acting now. Um, but so you, you've kind of gone, you're saying you've gone through this phase of like just doing. Yeah. And just like. You're just excited. Yeah. You're like excited for opportunity. Mm-hmm. You got them, right? Like, mm-hmm. how did they come at you? So it was through your agency or? So, um, yes, after I got my agent, basically all the opportunities came through them. And you just got them. Yeah. And, but at the same time, when it comes to like music wise, like there weren't many opportunities unless I, ca- I went to go look for them. Got it. Or straight up made the opportunities myself. Like I remember in um elementary school, I just wanted to perform and I actually like 
handwritten, I hand wrote a letter mm-hmm. to my principal asking to make a talent show for the fifth graders. Wow. Yeah. What are you? I'm like, we, there's like nothing, there, there was no talent show. I like watched high school musical and I was like obsessed with it. I'm uh-huh. like, I want to make like a musical for like my school. Good for <laughs> you. Oh my God. I love so it. I wrote a letter to the principal saying like, this will be really fun for the fifth grade is a whole show for like the family and the friends. Like, please like help arrange this. And the, she did. Wow. I actually made, um, <laughs> like, um, talent show, a whole thing for, the entire school, but like all the fifth graders, um, had like an act and like, I had two acts. <laughs> Love it. I mean, you put it together. So I mean, you made it happen. I just, I just asked. And so it ended up happening and I was like really excited to just like, like do what I love, but with my friends. That's at so awesome. And so like, th- there's like little things I was just like, I didn't care what people thought of. I just like did it and see if it worked. Amazing. I love it. <laughs> I, I have a lot of admiration for that. It's kind of similar to my brother. I actually talked to him. I was like talking to him about how he was as a youngster. Cause he's become like a different, more worried, more cautious person. But I was like, no, I always looked at you as like, you're so fearless and whatever. It's like, yeah, he looked back. He's like, yeah, I just did stuff like mm-hmm. I didn't think and I, I was the complete opposite where I was like mm-hmm. but what if they don't like me and what if the sky falls and what if like I trip and fall in my face and what if the temperature's not right and everything sets on fire I don't I, I was that <laughs> kid I was so terrified of everything yeah. so I have a lot of um appreciation for people who just Thanks. go because you help make things happen and now the entire fifth grade had a musical because of you. <laughs> so go. I hope they're still doing it at that school, but um, yeah, I, I heard that they did it the year after I left and went to middle school too. Love. Yeah. That's creating a legacy, girl. Hey. You're like founded by Megan Lee. <laughs> this is important. Um, so when you, how, what, when do you feel like the switch kind of happened? So you've been a, pro- when you, when would you say you became like a professional artist? Cause you did this starting in your teens. Right, right, right. What were you doing? Were you going to a normal school? So I went to normal school until middle school, okay. until eighth grade. Uh, after I graduated, I did like go to high school a little bit, but the high school I went to was a charter charter school, uh-huh. and they're very strict about grades, uh-huh. obviously. And so absences and like attendance has a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, me being a pretty like active child actor at that time missed a lot of school, and so. They actually had an independent studies program, which is like a homeschooling program within that school um, that I took for a year. Uh-huh. Um, and then I became like homeschool. Be- like I got out of that program because I moved to Korea afterwards. And so like, um, I'm sorry, what was your question? <laughs> well, yeah, I was just like curious about like your school. Like, because th- th- that's what a lot of people I think out there in general, like there's so many ways that we figure out how we're normal or not normal, right? Yeah. The normal thing, which is kind of defined by the masses, like everybody goes to high school, everybody yeah. goes and does in this format. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who are outliers yeah. or like their variation of it. So I'm just curious because we're all normal, in my opinion. Well, there are some ways we are very normal, and who also wants to be just normal? Yeah. We're all special too. Yeah, that's part of the problem with millennial generations. Like you're not special, just be normal. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious, like how that felt for you, because like I feel like during that time, it is definitely very like tender age, yes. and like there's a lot of things happening within you, physically, emotionally. Yes. Spiritually, you know, you're like always in this state of awakening, I feel like. Yeah. So how was that like getting out of 
you know, a very normal, like regular situation, all your peers are going yeah. to school yes. and all of a sudden now you're doing like this independent study thing mm-hmm. and moving to Korea. Yeah. How did that feel for you? Were you like, okay with that? I, it was like, it was a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I know, I knew I was different. I knew that I w- didn't fit in and no matter how hard I tried, I kind of felt in my heart that I would never fit in because I would always miss like friends' birthdays and like to the point where I won't won't even get invited anymore because they just figure that I won't even come out. Yeah. And so like there was a lot of that. I've always struggled with um friendships with like people my age. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, just like always having that FOMO, but my mom would always be the person to really comfort me on the side saying like, you're doing something that you love. You're going to have to make certain sacrifices on the way wow. in order to get what you want. And so I learned at a very young age that about sacrifice. Yeah. And I knew that like in the end, if my friends are my really, my true friends, they'll stick around and support me no matter what. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, like I, I, I think I started getting really busy. Like I knew that I was like a professional actor when I went into middle school. Got it. Yeah. Um, I was like 11, 12. I started coming out a lot of commercials, national commercials, both local and national. And, um, all of my friends and my peers or people at school would see me mm-hmm. in these commercials and me thinking that they, I thought initially that they would think it's cool and they would like support me. Like, generally. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that made fun of me, actually. Really? Yeah. There's a lot of people that, like, poked fun that I was, like, a wannabe actor or, like, like, oh, I saw you in this commercial. You look funny or, like, whatever. Like, they would just make fun of me for being different. Yeah. And for me wanting to put myself out there. That I wasn't normal. Right. And, um... And probably, I'm gonna guess, but, like... That they're jealous. A little bit. Yeah. yeah, There's a little bit of everything. A lot Mm -hmm. of mixed emotions. I was very confused, but I didn't really let that get to me. Or maybe I think that I didn't let it get to me, but probably in the moment I did. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. 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 It's not, it's not, it's not pleasant being, you know, singled out and, and put framed in some negative way for something like you're just trying to do what you love and makes you happy. And Why should you receive hate for that? Yeah. Unless it's something that's like damaging to other people, which I don't think no. that, that, that is. So <laughs> it's, and it's again, again, it's a very tender age. Like I look back on my own, like being a teenager, mm-hmm. and there's certain things that I look back and I'm genuinely like very appreciative. Like, oh, I was like, I was a nice kid for XYZ reasons. Mm-hmm. Like, I really did good because I tried really hard. Oh, wow. I was like more disciplined than I give myself credit for. Yeah. There's like a lot of like, oh, you weren't like a total troll. But then there's <laughs> other parts of me and I'm like, it's god awful. Like, I hate recognizing Like, I was like, I was such an insecure little butt face. Like, it's embarrassing to think back. Everybody has It's just moments. a tender time. It is. No one knows who they are fully. No. I've definitely had so many moments where I, I still think about now and I just cringe. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, no matter what other people said, I kept doing it. It didn't stop me. That's one thing for sure. Um, I, I kept going at it. I just like try to shut out the negativity. Um, and I went through, I survived middle school mm-hmm. and then went that's a big school. deal. Surviving middle school. Yeah. I survived it. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember like I was put in the yearbook for, um, I think it was like most likely to be famous. Oh. And it was like, it was kind of like cool. I'm like, hey, that's 
Hey, thank like, you. thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. But in a way, I felt like it was a bit, I guess, it didn't feel genuine. I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of it was like kind of sarcasm. Like people were like, oh, she thinks that she could make it. Well, we'll just put it in the yearbook for that. Or like, right. I don't know. It didn't feel completely genuine. Got it. I just felt in my heart. But it was just whatever. I still have that yearbook. Sometimes I just laugh looking at it and like yeah. the weird clothes that I wore. <laughs> it's a funny, it's a funny um time capsule. It is. To be like, ah, oh, I remember that. Yeah. And it's funny for me to being around actual, you know, like all these famous people that mm-hmm. to me once upon a time were just like aliens, right? There's mm-hmm. people that are out of reach and I'll never be around them. But now they're like, oh, they're right over there. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Um, which is bizarre to me. It's funny to recognize when I was younger personally I did want to be famous I wanted to you know be rich and famous and talented and all the things mm-hmm. but kind of I don't know what are your thoughts on fame because mm-hmm. at this point like kind of jumping ahead a little bit but like you've you've had you have all these fans that really really love you your fans are hardcore dude like yeah. whenever I post a photo with you they like comment on my and I'm like that's interesting because like this is I'm not you like but like they, they love you um and I think that's really beautiful but for me I've kind of seen both sides of like what it's like to observe people who are famous and yeah, what yeah. sacrifice comes with that totally so and personally like I was like I would love to just do my focus has shifted to like I want to do good work I don't think there's anything wrong with people who want fame especially because they want to no. use that platform totally so but my attitude's kind of shifted on that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to, like, I like being anonymous sometimes. I, like, don't yes. want to. Not sometimes. I am anonymous. Not like people are recognizing. Mm-hmm. But um, how do you, how do you, have you dealt with that? Because I'm sure that people, you know, see you, ask you for photos. And is that yeah. still something that you're, like. I, like, I my perspective on fame, like, definitely changes a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, I think at first, when I was young, um, I thought of fame as like an opportunity to like, 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 like kind of sense of power. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really was intrigued by that because like of Oprah, like because of her fame and her power and, um, her influence, mm-hmm. uh, she's able to really make an impact on the world in a very positive way. Right. And that's what initially made me very interested in being a performer in the first place instead of just performing for myself. Awesome. And so it, it definitely changed over time because at some point, like, um, you know, like insecurities happen and like, I'm, I work really hard for like a certain goal and stuff like that. And I, it came to a point where I started to compare myself to other people. Mm-hmm. And then I found myself, um, thinking of fame as in like, uh, kind of like, um, uh, I can't, I can't speak English right now. <laughs> You're fine. We'll find um, the word. Like, um, reassurance got it that i'm awesome yeah you know validation validation Mm -hmm. yeah a validation Mm -hmm. and and it's i mean it's i feel like there are a lot of people especially now Mm -hmm. within like social media Mm -hmm. um people who are social media famous and things like that who's who who seek validation with their fame Mm -hmm. and uh i don't think it's completely wrong or terrible but it's not healthy it doesn't do what you think it's going to do. It doesn't do. do. Yeah. And that's something that I've definitely learned a lot within the past few years. And mm-hmm. I do feel very grateful and thankful when people come up and say hi and take photos and things like that. I am so grateful for, for every moment because people, I feel like people, I'm appreciated. People yeah. appreciate my work. Yeah. And that's definitely like the perks of like, 
being acknowledged and being quote unquote famous. For sure. But um, I also really like the chill life. And sometimes I don't want to be like up, like on the camera, like all the time. And I wish I could work. Yeah. It's in the end, it's still work. Like I hate red carpets. I dread those. Really? Yeah, a lot. You're good at them. Uh, Thanks. But that's being good at your job, you know? And there's a different, it's a different, um, different kind of lens and I, I say for me why I look back at my attitude towards fame was I think yeah. it really was insecurity driven it was like yeah. the wanting to be um, special yeah. and wanting to be validated and that's a very normal thing for like a young person or any person to want totally. I think there's nothing like there's saying nothing that wrong. you're a bad person for that but from from my experience and having my little um, moments of like getting mass acknowledgement for xyz reason it is wonderful in that moment it can be really really great but it yeah. doesn't necessarily for me personally it did not fill the hole or yeah. it didn't like it's not a lasting consistent um peace with myself it's not where like because of that mm-hmm. i like suddenly look at myself in the mirror i'm like I'm great with me. It yeah. doesn't equate that. Yeah. It's a very, like, it's a great thing. It's fun. It's pleasurable. It's uh-huh. like, you know, yay. And then it's, it's gone. And yeah. then, um, you're still, you're still you. You're yeah. still with yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and man, I've told you this so many times because I think that there's a lot of maturity that you've exuded in, in my eyes and something that I think I felt from you, even through your music and the way that you carried yourself before mm-hmm. we ever became like friends. Mm-hmm. And, I have so much respect for that. And I think that it's, 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 it takes like some people can just come out of the womb like that. (laughs) You know, I, honestly, my little brother, we don't know where he came from fully because he's (laughs) just mature, you know, but others like normal folks like myself, I love you, Dennis, you're the best. Um, but like other people, I, I was like a total little brat and I was very, um, I was a little selfish and a little like, hey, I want this and I want it that way. And then you kind of kind of go through the ringer a little bit mm-hmm. to appreciate things yes. and to learn and to yes. mature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've learned that about you. You know, you, you have not had an easy path. You've had this really great energy because you're just like, hey, I want to do that. I'm going to go for it. And I think that's so fantastic. But like everything else in life, sometimes you're going to have some collateral damage. There's going to be things that you weren't ready for or yeah. that really kind of maybe blindside you or even something you saw a mile away, but you're like, you have to deal with it yeah. as you become an adult as you become a professional. And, um, if you're down to talk about that, I mean, I know that there was a lot that you went through, uh, going through becoming a, you know, really taking your role and like becoming this professional artist. And that's an assumption I think a lot of people have on people who are artists, like in Hollywood industry. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the experiences are very relatable to anybody. It doesn't matter if you are a singer or an actor versus like a banker or a teacher. We all have different things that like, you're like, oh my God, I wasn't ready for that. I don't know how I'm going to survive this. And that's why I think your story is very universal because it speaks on resiliency um so i'm like hyping up the story but i'm just curious like what if you are down to share like what you went through especially in that time in korea Mm -hmm. at that specific age range Mm -hmm. you know as a teenager um and even now like how that's impacting you now because you're saying you're dealing with so many things like yeah yeah it's it's been a roller coaster um i don't want to lengthen this podcast too much because it's a pretty long story um but so it all kind of started off with like my my parents they're divorced now but uh i just grew up with not 
the best kind of environment when it comes to family. Mm-hmm. My dad was an alcoholic, um, and he was extremely toxic to my mom and to all of us. He was like, he had cool uncle potential. That's pretty much it. Got he was it. definitely not ready to be a dad. Um, and you have siblings. And a husband. Yeah, my siblings. Like, I feel like they were, it, it's heavily impacted them in very much more obvious ways with their personalities and the way they react to things. Like, I feel like for me, like, it definitely, of course, it impacts me, but I don't let that define my life and who I am. Mm -hmm. It's a part of me, but with my siblings, it hit a little bit harder, maybe because they were younger, Mm -hmm. when everything started to kind of, like, spiral down with, like, my whole family situation. Around the time when my mom and dad were, like, fighting really, really heavily, like, to the point my dad would, he never, like, physically hurt her at least not that i really know of i don't think so um he was just like very violent in ways like he would break things all the time and be like violent with his words and his tone and um volume of his voice as well Mm -hmm. and it came to a point where my mom made us pack like emergency bags to keep in our closets just in case if something happened in case you need jet yeah but around that time one day um the auditions for we didn't hunting birth of a great star this singing competition show that was broadcasted on a major network in korea uh this opportunity came up and i decided to audition i passed the la auditions and i got flown to korea this in a way was kind of an opportunity to escape from Mm -hmm. reality Mm -hmm. and so i flew with my family my dad actually did come along but when after that whole thing happened my mom and i decided to stay in korea Wow. And my brother and sister ended up wanting to stay too because they didn't want to stay with my dad. My dad didn't want to stay in Korea. He wanted to stay in the States. So technically they were separated from then and I got signed to a label and that's when things start to become even crazier because I was dealing with not only culture shock, but language barriers because I didn't grow up speaking Korean. I didn't feel like I was ever Korean. I, w- I didn't feel like I, was, I-, I belonged in the States because of my skin Mm -hmm. and uh, my face. But when I went to Korea, I thought it would be different, but it wasn't that way either. Mm -hmm. And that's when I truly felt like I didn't belong anywhere. But I tried really hard to fit in, so I learned the language. I learned the culture. From zero? Or, like, you knew a little bit with your parents? Yeah, I learned, like, like, I know I knew few words, but I was, like, really bad. I was very whitewashed. Got it. But I was really determined because I knew that that was my life from then on, at least at that time. Um, little did I know after three years, um, being a trainee and going through all different kinds of things, like I've, I didn't realize until I left and I kind of let everything sink in, but I was a person that was very blissfully ignorant and so hopeful and just kind of like YOLO, I'm going to do that. I don't care what happens. I'm just going to do it because I feel like it Mm -hmm. went from that, from me being extremely cautious overthinking, overanalyzing, over, um, critical of myself mm-hmm. and way more, um, I, I, way less confident. Yeah. And that's because I was constantly criticized, being told I wasn't good enough, being told I wasn't pretty enough. I was literally taken to like a plastic surgery, like consultation at like 17 years old. They took you? Yeah. They literally took me, got a graph of a face. (laughs) Okay. They got a graph of a face and like drew all the things I need to fix about my face. Mm -hmm. And like already at a time I've been noticing like kids in Korea are so different in America. Like it's similar in facts where like everyone kind of like 
grow ups a little bit fast. Yeah. But in different ways, um, uh, people care so much about looks and there's only one kind of beauty yeah. image. Like one thing that's one kind of face that's beautiful, one kind of body that's beautiful. Yeah. There's not much representation when it comes to that. The body image is so toxic over there. Plastic surgery ads everywhere you go in the, the subway, you feel like you need to get that done too in order to be normal and fit in. I'm very curious about that um, environment and that culture. Like, do they talk about it openly? No. Like that's the, that's, that's the, the bizarre part. That's the worst thing. That's my, that's like, okay. and they, they even like, no matter how, like, I guess, um, common it is to get procedures in Korea, people still bad math you if you get a procedure. Yeah. And that's like the, like the craziest, like Most mind boggling, hypocritical, part. Yeah. Like what, why? It's like, it, I just don't get it. I feel like, and that's when I realized like, I, I hate to like talk bad about Korea because like, uh, there's, so I, I'm very things, proud but, yeah. to be Korean, Yeah, but those are the parts of the culture that I just really couldn't understand. Yeah. And it was very frustrating. I, I hate that part of the culture. Like I personally, like I'm in my thirties and I'm still to this day in front mm-hmm. of you looking in the mirror, having thoughts about my face. And I was saving up my own money to to do that because I was convinced early on that that's something that I needed to do. That it was, it, I can't even, like, I'm still unpacking it because this is why I'm writing. Mm-hmm. I want to write about stories. Again, not to, like, bash or anything, totally. but this is what I went through. It's not, I'm not making any of this up for funsies, yeah. you know, like, and I think it's a very shared experience that's really tough for a lot of people to articulate because on one side you have a pride and a love for like your roots and you don't want to betray that. Yeah. Um, but also you can't lie about how, how crazy that can get or how toxic that can get totally. to somebody's psyche and yeah. their, their sense of well being and sense of self. It really, and again, do, again, I don't think at any time it's good but they're they're way more vulnerable times than others too and to introduce that to somebody at a young young age yeah. um i mean i was first told to get my eyes done when i was eight and <gasps> and my dad joked about my nose when i was nine and like what? i i had a lot of like hang-ups about my face and then i this is why I like when i heard um you talk about that in, in a different setting about what being in korea was like and why i think that it's still really important to unpack that that cultural mm-hmm. aspect is like I I had you know you had people who you're working for and that you're like basically putting all your hopes and dreams in mm-hmm. with this not completely blind faith but you're putting your faith in them saying mm-hmm. like if I am with you and if I do as you say and if I abide by the things that you're laying out for me that this will lead somewhere good yeah this is going to make my life better yeah mine was a boyfriend you know like I had a, a older boyfriend <sighs> a Korean guy and this is again a Korean American person but still that cultural aspect of like perfection and mm-hmm. and him feeling like he had the authority to even say that to me yeah blows my mind at this point you know <sighs> If anybody talked to you that way, like any, it's so weird, but when it's you, you're like, yeah. oh, well, I mean, they were just telling me that I needed to improve X, Y, Z. But like, if you said, hey, um, but, and I tell you, hey, Megan, someone was telling me that I need to improve X, Y, Z. You'd start throwing things. You'd be like, yeah. not acceptable. Yes. Right. And it's really weird what we'll take yeah. and normalize. We're, we're not good to ourselves. Sometimes. Yeah. And I know that. And I know that what it feels like for five years, every day, my body and my face, every part of me was critiqued. 
every mm-hmm. part of me. And oh my God, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. That's oh it's, my God. and I'm sorry you had to go through what you went through. <laughs> like, that's why I, I have a lot of anger in me because I have my own pain and that I know that there's other people out there hurting yes. in this really, again, life is challenging, but like some pain just feels like, completely unnecessary, completely uncalled for taking a girl's body or face or anything like who she is and like trying to destroy that. Like they're not trying to destroy you. They're trying to improve you quote unquote. And then in the process, destroying you and not Mm -hmm. recognizing that it's destructive makes me so angry. It makes me totally get livid. Epitome of beauty standards in Korea. Yeah. So, I mean, that's on top of like the rigorous, you're doing training, you're doing like, yeah, there's a lot of stress when it comes to like, but like, like I said, going back to my understanding of sacrifice, mm-hmm. it definitely translated over to Korea. Like I knew that I, I knew what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely knew that it was not going to be easy, yeah. that I had to make sacrifices, quote unquote. Um, so I knew that I'm going to be losing sleep. I'm not going to have free time to play and go out and have friends and things like that. Right. And so I knew that in order to get what I want, which is to debut and to have a fabulous career in Korea and be a K-pop star, I needed to pay my dues. Mm-hmm. And to pay my dues is basically listening to and trusting my label mm-hmm. and everything that they do. And then it came to a point where things started to shift because the head of my label, um, came to his wife and mother-in-law stepped in and turned everything upside down. And... I'm not going to go too into detail because it's such a long story. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically it came to a point where I was being, I was constantly being attacked personally. And it was very different from before they stepped in. I, it, I was just doing whatever everybody else was doing. I practiced for however many hours. It was an absurd amount of hours. I was going on crazy diets, but I didn't feel like I was dying just yet mm-hmm. until they stepped in. They made me like go on these they made me basically not eat i would eat like a cherry tomato and like half a sweet potato and like um uh, which i'm gonna call it like soy milk like every day and um they would blame me for not practicing enough when i got sick and i was going through like vocal issues that i still go through today and actually this year and like a, a lot of last year i'm heavily impacted with like my I guess, feelings about singing in mm-hmm. general because everything is done from my times in Korea. I like record the same song like over and over so many times because I wasn't doing it good enough. But listening back, I still have the file from when I first recorded eight days. It really wasn't like, it was great. It's way better than how I'm singing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just like uh, so many things that just like little by little, it attacked my mental health and my view of myself. I feel like I was having some kind of dysmorphia about my, not only like my body and my uh, face, but also my talents. And I just like was so low um, on my opinions about myself that I just felt like I couldn't do anything. And Um, It came to a point where I found out that they were doing also illegal things like Mm -hmm. signing, forging signatures on contracts I've never seen before, using like my bank statement stamps Uh on contracts. They're not supposed to be doing that. Found out my contract itself was 
not really registered with like the law and, and things like not that. Not legit. Not legit. There was a lot of loopholes and blah, blah, blah. And all these things, it came to a point where I had to leave. I tried to negotiate with them um, to find a way for me to pay back any debt, like for classes, um, my music video, all these fees yeah. um, as an artist. And of course I don't have that money because my dad in America wasn't um, financially supporting us, even with like my five-year-old sister at the time. And my mom was like, I wasn't making any money. And so my mom was uh, teaching kids English in our like apartment building we were living in in order to make money like day to day. Remember we had like a hundred dollars in a big account, like a hundred thousand one, which is a hundred dollars in USD pretty much. Um, we were so, so poor. Um, but we had a lot of blessings. Like we made really good friends with like our neighbors and they brought us like fruits and like took us out to lunch and stuff like that here and there. Yeah. And, uh, we were able to survive, but there were times where we were just like scared about not being able to pay rent. And here I am, like, trying to see if I could repay the debt. And they said, um, the label says no, um, that they want to keep me in the company and not make me work. And they were threatening me and my career and things like that. <sighs> and the only way out was through a lawsuit, mm-hmm. which also we couldn't afford. We found the cheapest one we could find. It was a divorcee lawyer, but we ended up winning the lawsuit within, like, nine months or so. Yes. Um, and, yeah, because we had all the proof and things like that. It was one of the toughest, most uh, most exhausting, emotionally and physically draining moments, especially for my mom, mm-hmm. um, to go through. I learned a lot through that process also with, like, friends as well because I learned how people can easily change their face on you and turn their back Mm -hmm. and i realized who is for me no matter what through Mm -hmm. the thick and thin who really isn't and so that was a valuable lesson that came out of it as well very true oh man (laughs) well i mean i will i'm trying to figure out my ways too to like process what happened in in my life as well and i think um you know, th- there's always the aftermath. There's the going through it and there's the aftermath. I had my run-ins again. There's like, it's, it's like yourself. It's like such a long story. And, um, it's not something that I want to particularly like dwell in the past, but I, I feel like there's value for me in unpacking it with certain people like my older brother, even sometimes with my mom. I'm becoming more brave in like addressing a really dark time where it was yes. like super bad for my family. And, yeah. I had a lot of guilt because I felt like I, well, to a degree I did. I put my family through hell. Um, but when you take a step back, there's a lot of reasons why things unraveled the way that they did. And it's very, yeah. it's very complex. Like, you yeah. know, um, maybe if you weren't in the situation here, it wouldn't have affected this thing over here. And maybe if somebody were more supportive in this way, you wouldn't have made this, you know, there's so many what ifs and so many variables that it feels very daunting. And sometimes it feels safer just to leave it where it is. And I'm not trying to like encourage everybody to like dive right back into like all their traumas. But I think that also leaving it completely unresolved and not learning everything that you can, that you need to from it, it can be, you know, it weighs on you, catches up with you. So it's tough. I mean, like I, when you talk about dealing with like, 
like legal issues and family, these are very, very big things. They're not like you feel at, uh, at any age, really, if you've just never dealt with it, I don't feel like you ever feel particularly ready to deal with a lawsuit or like I had to go to court and I had to deal with police and I had to deal with, um, and all of that in my family. And like, it was just, I felt so much guilt. I felt a lot of like trauma that I didn't want to call trauma for my entire life. But in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, it was traumatic. And, um, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of anger, lots and lots of anger. Um, a lot of sadness, feeling of loss. But then on the flip side, like you're saying too, a lot of hope, like feeling like, you know, I had my best friend betray me, the person that I, in the worst way, in the thing that would hurt me the most, it happened. And like something about that though, going through something very, very painful can also be, if you choose, this is like, again, things cannot be your fault, but you can also take responsibility for how you want to react. Yes. You can also turn that into something that like, I'm a strong, I'm a badass, you know, like I am strong. I um, still believe in good things. That's up to you. Like, yeah. so I want to just take that second to credit you and to credit <laughs> people who go through things and find a way, you know, through thick and thin, through the darkness and the light of it, to choose to make that something that becomes an asset and something that builds them yes. instead of like tearing away their life. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, so just props to you. I Thank mean, you. Oh, <laughs> I, I, it's all thanks to my mom. Honestly, I wouldn't have been able to d- do it without my family. If it, I don't know what would have happened if I was alone. Yeah. But I feel like it really just takes a village. It really takes support from others. Like it's extremely hard to do anything yourself for sure. And so I'm glad that I had my family. I'm very glad yeah. too. How, and are you tight with your siblings? Like are you? Like- I'm like, right. I feel like at that time we were very close, but are they teenagers came, now? Yeah. My sister is like 14 and she's going into high school. She just started high school uh-huh. and, uh, she's kind of at the stage where she's just, she's not a kid and like a little kid anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that she doesn't like to talk about. She doesn't feel really comfortable around me. Uh-huh. My brother, on the other hand, he took everything really, really hard. I feel like we're both very, very different people in the way we act, we react and see things. He's very cynical. Mm. Um, and I don't blame him because I feel like, I don't know if it's because he's a middle child or whatever, but oh, he's also, that. yeah, like he went through his own traumas too. Like mm-hmm. we were so poor. So he was the one actually, he had a part-time job at like McDonald's and he actually got hurt. Like the truck, he was getting things out of the truck. And he, the truck was backing out as he was grabbing things and it crushed his arm as he was like basically pushed against a wall oh or a pillar. Gosh. And, uh, since then he was like really depressed because, um, he couldn't go to school and his teachers actually were bullying him for not doing well in school. Wow. It was like, it's really bad. Like some Korean schools, like the education, like, oh, this is in Korea? No, this is in Korea. Then I'm not surprised. Yeah. See, this is me. I don't want to hate on it. And yeah. uh, again, I love you, Korea. You're wonderful for so many things, but there's some things we need to talk about. Yes. So many things. Yeah. And he was bullied, um, not from his peers, but yeah. from teachers at school, which is freaking mind blowing. Like, why? It's, mm-hmm. it, it makes me so frustrated. But, yeah. um, but that's because he was like a foreigner. He didn't speak Korean. And, on top of that, the Korean education system is so whack, so fast, and very, very, um, 
advanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are things that he shouldn't be learning. At, like, at, I mean, he won't learn in American schools. Yeah. Um, that he was learning in Korean. Yeah. So it's just like, it's obvious that he wouldn't do well. Yeah, I can't keep know? up with that. Especially with high school. You yeah. Know? It's different when, like, my sister was attending elementary school. High school is so different. And that so, is really different. And he was really stressing about that. So he didn't want to go out. He played video games all day and it kind of became a habit. He gained a lot of weight. Um, and he was just like, he was very depressed, pretty yeah. much flat out depressed. And he didn't, we, we couldn't see any like therapists or anything like that. Um, my brother just went through so much, mm-hmm. developed a lot of traumas and he doesn't really talk about it himself. And so, Ever since we moved back to LA, we've kind of been like living our own lives. Got he it. kind of like escaped, but not really. It's yeah. it takes a lot, man. I mean, again, my my older brother and I, we we became really close through my craziness. Mm-hmm. We both saw each other through a lot of craziness. But then, of course, like when you're in a certain age, you naturally kind of take your own space and um, you lean on other people. Hopefully yeah. you have other friends and stuff. But also yeah. sometimes that can be dangerous because it's like your peers and everybody's still figuring it out. Yeah. But um, luckily, you know, honestly, through he's a huge therapist of mine. Like, Because it's somebody that understands our parents and understands how we grew up. We're very, we're also learning how different we are. Yeah. Like, an assumptions that we have about family or friends that, you know, this version of them that, that mm-hmm. we knew learning that, Oh, they've changed a lot. They've matured a lot yeah. and, and using that to help each other. I mean, yeah. really. And it's, you can only, you can't force everything again. You have to like be invited in or just like be totally. patient sometimes. And this is like the larger thing about being resilient. You know, we talk a lot about being strong and like, I love your music. I love Thank stronger. You. Um, and then you have your song, me and myself now you have your new album. And like, I love that you use your art and your, you know, your creative, you know, just energy, the the thing that is true to you in your soul. Mm-hmm. And you use that to like help yourself. And you yes. want that to be something that helps others by being positive and like yeah. letting them know that they're not alone. How does that translate to like everything you've been through? And you're talking about, um, like figuring out how to survive these things and like, you know, be empowered. You're saying like now it's kind of a touchy time because there's just a lot of changes happening. Yes. So again, it's like a continuous evolution. Yes. How, how has that been for you? Like, do you, do you touch upon the past part of you and say, remind yourself or like, how does do I do you- all the time? It's still, I mean, it's been a few years since I've left the label and went through that lawsuit and then right away I did make it pop. And so I feel like I, I, when I did the show, make it pop for two and a half years, I think I ended officially in 2016 or so. Wow, already. So it's been that long. And I feel like since then I've been officially digesting everything Okay, that's been happening. And so I feel like just naturally ever since I was a kid, I was just always go, go, go. There's no time to worry. Or maybe I would worry a little bit, but I would get over it really quickly, move on to the next thing mm-hmm. and worry about it later. Mm-hmm. Um, and with everything that happened in Korea with my family and, and then all of a sudden I, I was on the show for two and a half years. I was like the lead and it's like everything that I ever wanted. And then the show was done and it was quiet. And it's like, I thought I was going to move on to the next thing. Like I ha- I was a lead on a freaking TV show on, yeah. a, on a big network. Yeah. I'm going to book my next thing. 
real easy. It'll be great. I, I'm going to pop up in my career. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to pop off. Like, this is my the open door. It's wide. It's the launch pad. Yep. Yeah. It wasn't. It really wasn't. I, I had a lot of opportunities, but there's some that just, like, it fell through. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I celebrated too early or whatever. But um, not getting into that, it's just, like, because it was so quiet when it comes to, like, working-wise, mm-hmm. there's a lot of time for me to be thinking and digesting. And I'm not going to lie, 2017, 2018, one of the hardest, even probably harder than what I went through in Korea because I'm not keeping myself busy through, like, I don't have a lot of distractions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was dating and things like that, but it was just like, life was so real, mm-hmm. you know, and I was growing up and coming, coming into my 20s and it was just a lot of growing up. Um, a lot of self-discovery, a lot of realization of everything that I've been going through and how that impacts me now. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I mentioned very briefly about how Korea has affected my singing voice. Um, I developed multiple vocal conditions. I'm still trying to figure out exactly what it is. I went to many ENTs and they don't really figure it out. I think it was like a mix of spasmonic dysphonia and muscle tension dysphonia. Okay. These dysphonias, they're very rare and very like not a lot. There's not much research and not much like, um, I guess, uh, knowledge about these things, but it's basically, it affects my talking and my singing and it a lot of, it's affected by my mental health. So oh. you know how sometimes when people get nervous, their voice starts to shake yeah. or crack and things like that. Yeah, um, it's like that for me, but constant. It's chronic, and um, because of the state of my mental health and everything that I've been going through, like within the past like two three years, yeah, I started to see myself slowly go into the stage of like not being comfortable with like my talking and singing voice. And which is, it's a rather inconvenient since that is like my career, your career. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've been stressing Holy. a lot with that, but, um, not to laugh at that. I'm, I'm relating because now my career has been mm-hmm. podcasting and voiceover work. So mm-hmm. for me, it's a kind of this, I just relate. That's a relatable chuckle because yeah. it, it messes with you to like your limits feel different. Yes. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And it's crazy. Cause like, I love to sing. Mm-hmm. I really do. And then having this condition made me really hate it. Mm. I remember last year I was just like crying because like, I can't sing. Like I'm in a session and I'm like, I know I could do it. These, these are things I could do. And I was like 14, 15 years old without a doubt. And, and I watched my old videos. I'm like, how did I do that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas like, a few where does it go? Yeah. yeah. And, and same with my personality. It's like, it's all different. Like I was so. I, I, I was so positive. I had so much energy and I still do, but it's different. Mm-hmm. And, um, I really miss that about myself. And for the longest time, I was just like, I guess, uh, holding my onto my past so much that it was so unhealthy. So like now I'm in a new phase where I'm letting go of who I was and what I've been through and accepting for my struggles now and knowing that I will go into a new phase and kind of like looking forward to who I will become. I love you, Megan. <laughs> I think you're, I, I, I'm take credit. It's like, I called it. I mean, your maturity and ability to see past what is currently, you can see what's in front of you, but also kind of like zoom out a little bit, which is really difficult sometimes when you're ca- yes. caught up in 
the reality, the gravity of what is right in front of you. It's not to like, you, you can't take away from the fact that you're figuring out your career. You have physical challenges that are really like, that are going to become this thing that you just have to navigate maybe for, for yeah. from here on out. It's a lot to take in and it is a very um, significant thing to let go or even process that former version of yourself because in, in life it's like so rare that you can't even have a freaking quiet moment yeah. because you're worried about the next thing or you're kind of freaking out and like cleaning up from the past or, you know, there's all these different things and different people requiring our attention and it's hard to yeah. just to do that. And I think that's to me when I hear people tell me um, that I'm strong, you know, I feel I know that it's coming from the best of intentions. I really mm-hmm. appreciate that being said. What I remind myself is that not only am I strong, like I'm a resilient person because that word was introduced to me, I'd say in the last like 10 years or so, that it's like you get knocked on your butt and you come back up. And also that coming back up for me, it's like you, it's like, there's a, it's a process. It's Mm -hmm. a resiliency is like, it's kind of like being flexible, like a rubber band. It's not necessarily like something that can break and be put back together again. There's a lot of different metaphors to look at it. Um, but it just shows that you're, you have maturity and you have hope and you have love for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that is very consistently present throughout life, you know, and my friends that are, um, at least several of my girlfriends right now who we're like in a different phase. I'm like, again, the late bloomer in that aspect of, marriage and family and all that stuff, it becomes a whole identity shift of giving up parts of yourself. What's compromise? What's sacrifice? And even for my, for my male, again, it's not just for women, like my guy friends who are becoming fathers or like moving up in their companies They you have to, it's required of a person to figure out how to let go. Yeah. That's hard. Um, but it can be, it can be, it's doable and it's, it can be the simplest things can be the most difficult. Yeah. It's like, just let that be what it was. You're like, I can't, you know, I can't because yeah. that's everything I know and that's everything that mattered. And how am I supposed to get away from that? It's, yeah. Um, but if, it, if it's any reassurance, I believe in you 1000%. <laughs> Thank you. You know, and um, do you have things that you want to reinforce in yourself or that you share with others about how to like maintain that resiliency or like, you know, as you're going moment to moment? Yeah. I'm still kind of figuring it out and just going day by day. Um, how I've been keeping my resilience and there's so many times where I just really wanted to let go, which is something that I talk about in my recent album. There's a song called Holding On. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I literally felt like my entire life, like if you visualize it, it felt like I was hanging off a cliff mm. and I was like pushed so far to the edge and I'm holding it onto the edge of the cliff with one hand. And I'm just like trying so hard to lift myself back up. But I'm also just like, what's the point? I'm ready to let go. And maybe I was ready to drop my career. Like I was like crying to my mom one day. I'm just like, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm struggling so much because I'm not meant for this. Like some people have it so easy and I'm just like, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional right now. I'm here for you. (laughs) Just like, yeah, I really wanted to let go. And, um, I was telling my mom, like, I mean, I'm still young. I could still go back to school. I'm really thankful that I'm, I still have so many different options for me, even if entertainment wasn't my path or my career. 
my career path. Like it's, it really isn't. There's, there's so much more than you can imagine. Yeah. So I was telling my mom, like, maybe I'll just go back to school and find something new. And, um, I was telling her like, maybe I should like get a part-time job at like a cafe or something. And she's like, you, if you want to, you can. Yeah. Anything that you put your mind to, like, no matter what, I support you. You don't have to do music. You don't have to act. And then, like, a part of me, I'm just like, no, but I want to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm going to cry, too. (laughs) I know the feeling, Maggie. And this is where I'll get, you know, on me, big sister, on you. It's... It can be really taxi. It can be really light because you want it so much and you care. Yeah. For me, um, one of my things that uh, I don't talk about that often and I'll share, I wasn't expecting to, I think about motherhood a lot. Yeah. I think about being a mom and I think about like I used to joke and like, play that when I was five with my Barbie. Some people have corporate <laughs> Barbie. I had mommy bar, you know, yes. and um, I, I've had a lot of setbacks in my life and like different career choices. And I really feared like maybe I'm not cut out for this. So many things, even like in dating relationships, my anger or different parts about me, my ability to like bounce, that feeling of being able to bounce back, just I felt so tired. And I'm like, I'm not cut out for this. If I can't take care of me, how am I supposed to like take care of somebody else? How am I supposed to have a like for so many reasons, like not just on the professional side, like yeah. my vision included a family and there's parts of me that's like, I'm not cut out for this. I can't do this. Like, it's just not, I'm, I want it too much. Maybe you're yeah. like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm delusional to think that I could do this. Like, I'm just crazy. And I have those yeah. moments. And, um, you know, I think those are personal deep things that we'll go through and that people, cause they don't know your thought process and they don't know what things mean to you. Yeah. will not ever fully understand how much that means and how badly you want it. Yeah. And I've, and I've also, you know, have a few years on you and, and, you know, it's, they're just years. But in my experiences, what I've also learned in a very weirdly ironic way, that part of like letting go doesn't necessarily mean you give up on it. Yeah. It means you accept it for what it is. Exactly. And it's funny what I've faced with like acting, how much my, dreams have shifted mm-hmm. um what my grand vision was and what it is the fame and fortune now it's mm-hmm. like i want to make beautiful art i want to make things that move people i want to do things that like change someone's mind about how they thought about something in a good way yeah um and then you kind of like learn to let go in this way of like kind of embracing Mm-hmm. And funny things happen, man. I'm telling you, it's part of like the strength that nobody really gives credit to. It's yeah. quiet strength and it's um, a daily strength. Yes. And it's, uh, you don't need bells and whistles. It's just like you get up on your freaking feet and you're like, you know what? I'm going to figure this out today or yeah. not. Whatever. I'm going to be fine. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't even have to be like you're on standing on a mountaintop and get all the praise and all the yeah. money and all the awards. It's like, no, I'm just okay. Yeah. And that is, that's strength. That's that's resiliency and that's moving forward. And I also think once you embrace things and once you stop placing everything on this one thing and let it breathe, a different part of you will open up. Yes. So maybe you working in a cafe would be really great. Yeah. Maybe you'll feed a different part of you. Yeah. Like work, you know, interacting with people every day. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I learned so much from every different weird corner of my life that Mm -hmm. I never expected to. Yeah. Like I had a job shredding papers for a whole semester (laughs) at my college, you know, and, um, and, and then I've gone through relationships and I'm like, how the hell did I date that person for a year? You know, like, and those just are different accumulating things that will like 
pack away. Totally. And we'll experience. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we'll be okay. And I also mm-hmm. think the fact that you're giving yourself space to deal with hard things. Yeah. Um, we're always talking about positivity, and yeah. I don't want to take away from that. But sometimes just even embracing today sucks. Yeah. And letting it suck and not trying to force it to be great when yeah. it just sucks. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. And then asking for help. I mean, there's so many things getting... So many. Yeah, that's all That's all resiliency. Letting... Like, I, I love that point that you were mentioning about, like, letting go and not meaning to give up, mm-hmm. but to just embrace everything, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And I totally... That's basically the definition of how I'm still here today. Yeah. <laughs> and how I'm still going. And I'm my way of getting back was actually doing Twitch because I just really didn't want to make videos. Like, I didn't want to make covers as much I didn't because of my singing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how else am I going to make content? And I tried to make other kinds of vlogs or, like, gaming content because I that's my way of, like, releasing stress. Like, I love to play games and, like, go into a world, uh-huh. another world. So you play games on Twitch? Yeah, I do. <laughs> wow. I play games. I talk. That's amazing. Yeah, I sometimes sing just to, like, practice or, like, when I feel like it. And what I love about that community is just, like, you're okay to be whoever you want to be, yourself. You can be goofy. You can be stupid. And it's fine because it's live. There's no edit and things like that. So yeah. that's, like, the beauty of Twitch. And so, but, yeah, like, me kind of – I'm learning. I'm still learning, but I'm, I, I've am i let go of, like, I guess that in a way expectations for myself like good it's good you. to have goals and dreams and I feel like that's where a lot of people get their anxiety and depression from because they have so much expectations for whatever that is in their life and I realized that about myself too I'm like I'm feeling this way because I have expectations and it's okay Preach. but like I'm gonna just let that go and just enjoy now like whatever that makes me happy and um i don't don't th- not thinking about like what other people think of me or like oh but that doesn't make me look successful or yeah. whatever like i'm yeah. just going to do it and then um just take care of like my mental health like i'm just going to take change perspective of myself good for you so i'm still learning but yeah. i feel like that's the best advice that i could give um for anyone that's going through any kind of trouble be on your own team. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah. you're team Megan. You're the president and captain and <laughs> yeah. CEO. And that's, I think that's what's make the difference. Now Twitch is like the, I just, I kind of like really laugh at how much things have changed. Yeah. And how, you know, once upon a time, YouTube was like the end all be like, you yeah. can make money on YouTube. And it was like this new platform and this new way for people to express themselves and sustain themselves. Now it's also Twitch, which yeah. is incredible. <clears throat> Very generationally different. I think it's fantastic. I think it's really, uh, it's scary for me. I'm like, I can't imagine, but I was like, I've, I've thought about that. I was like, what would I, I do on Twitch? I totally can. People love doing podcasts on Twitch as well. It's like, it, it's kind of like the new YouTube. Okay. Yeah. It was originally known for like gaming, uh-huh. um, but now they have all different kinds of categories for music, for podcasts, for just chatting. That's awesome. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Well, we'll come back. I... I will try it because I'm being open to things that scare me. 
I'll try it one day. Yeah. And you can definitely come back and twitch on it with yes. me. I don't know if that's even, I use that I'll, word right. I'll bring it onto my channel. You'll see what it's all about. It's, I, this, I'm very <laughs> intrigued. I'm very intrigued. Yeah. So um, that's a big transition in my life. Like, that's what I'm going through. It's, it's a, a lot of it's like kind of scary too because it's so new. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like kind of starting off from scratch because it's really hard to bring over, um, audiences from other platforms over to Twitch because it's so different. So different, so new. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, starting <coughs> from scratch. Bless you. And living with other content creators. Another transition in my life. <laughs> yeah. Well now you're gonna be away from mama. Yeah. And um it's gonna be a whole new chapter for you. So yes. I'm really, really excited. Thank you. And you know, like like Megan said, I echo that. I think people we all gotta get on our own team. And that comes out in different ways, whether that's you know, doing your meditation or getting a therapist or taking time to work out or, you know, eating out less. I don't know. There's a lot of financial stuff too that I'm really like excited to talk about on this podcast because I think just the way that the world is talking about even like money and how we sustain ourselves and how we can then afford to get a gym membership or get a therapist or whatever. They're all intertwined and it all affects our well-being. Um, but it definitely ties into like mental health. It ties into sustainability, career, we're all uh, figuring things out. So thank you, Megan, so much for being here and sharing your light and your story and your yeah. advice. Thank you for having me. I felt like this was like, a, it's, a, it's a good <coughs> reminder for me. Like sometimes you need a reminder of your your own story. Yes. And like, it, yeah, it, it's this this made my day. So thank you good. so much for having me. I'm so happy. I honestly heard everything you're saying. I was like, preach, Megan. <laughs> Yes, I need to stop with the expectations. It's so toxic. <laughs> it's very real. But we are sending you all of our love. And Megan, where can people follow you? Where, where can they? At Hello Megan Lee on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can watch my streams on Twitch. I stream from Sundays to Thursdays. Got it. <laughs> and I love that that's your thing now. I love yeah, it. Your fun. anchor. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, I hope that you guys do check out Megan's music. Check out her Twitch. Again, she's a beautiful soul, a beautiful talent and person and light in this world. <laughs> um, and, and shout out to Marv Nui, my audio engineer and producer. Thank you so much for helping with this episode, yeah. Marv. And thank you to Aquafina for use of her song Yellow Ranger in the intro and outro. And if you would like to become a supporter of me and this podcast, you can go to Patreon. Patreon.com slash first of all podcast. And you can find this on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Radio Public, and everywhere else you find podcasts, including Spotify. Um, and if you enjoy this, um, if there's somebody else that could benefit from from anything that we talked about today and just needs a little pep in their step and a hug from, from Megan and me, please do share it. Please subscribe, leave a five-star review, and have an amazing day. Take care of yourself. Uh, love yourself. You are enough. I love you. And I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Taz. And this is Zara. And we are the Good Muslim, Bad Muslim Podcast. 
It is a show about being two Muslim women in America. We talk about pop culture, the pork lobby, periods. And we talk about Islamophobia, patriarchy, and smashing white supremacy. It's a range. Download the Good Muslim, Bad Muslim podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Or at goodmuslimbadmuslim.com.